Okay. Whoa. Nice. This is good. I like it. Well, it's good to be here. I'm glad that you guys are jumping in with us. Can you hear me all right? Is everybody, can you hear me all right? Yes. Yes. We good back there? Okay. So, We are in this series called At The Movies, okay? If you've never been a part of that with us, we like to have fun here at Grace Church, okay? So you see the decorations, you see the popcorn, the giveaways. We're going to be watching movie clips and all sorts of fun things today, okay? We do this series because we want to take a look at cultural highlights that give us spiritual insights, I believe that inside of our culture, there's movies, there's artworks, there's stories, books, whatever you have, that we can glean spiritual insights from. And so we chose four movies that are kind of popular or been out for a minute that we're going to watch and talk about each of these Sundays in August and gain some spiritual insights together, okay? And primarily, we want you to lean into three different things in this series, okay? Three different things. First is this. In this series, we're going to see the creativity of God throughout it all, okay? Like I said, we like to have fun, and this is just one of the fun ways that we can look at the creativity of God in stories, in the movies, and in the themes that we're going to look at, and we're going to watch some really good movies along the way. Secondly is this, we are going to lean into the gospel of God, All of these movies have gospel themes, Jesus themes that ring through them all. And so as we look at them, we're going to dig out those themes and we're going to see what is God trying to share with us in that. Then thirdly, thirdly, if you're a parent in the room, a grandparent in the room, or whatever you have, if you have influence in kids' lives, okay, it's a discipleship conversation also that we're going to see the discipleship conversation play out in these movies. You get a chance to go home and watch these movies with your kids, students, whatever you may have, right? And it's a great opportunity to lean into the story God wants to share with us all. So each week, we provide a little like eight and a half by five and a half series guide with questions, some activities, some things to think about after you watch the movie and attend the sermon on it. We want you to go home and talk about it around your dinner table, invite people into that, all sorts of things, okay? So those are on the back wall as you leave also. Today, we're going to jump into Wonder, okay? But last week, if you weren't here, we jumped into a silly family movie called The Bad Guys. How many have seen The Bad Guys before? Yeah, right? The Bad Guys, awesome, funny. If you have kids, it's well worth it, right? We looked at The Bad Guys, and we looked at the theme of going good, okay? And what we learned last week is this, that you and I in and of ourselves cannot go good We need something from God to be done in our hearts and ultimately his spirit infusing our life. We need his grace and his spirit for us to ever, ever play out going good, okay? This week is wonder. Next week, though, do a little preview for what is to come. Next week is a movie called Just Mercy. It's based on a best-selling book. And ultimately, what we're going to see inside of this story is that the pursuit of justice and mercy is about all of us. We're going to run into those themes and see how does that play out in our world, but also in our individual lives. Then the last week, for all my Marvel fans, we're going to do some Spider-Man, okay? Spider-Man, far from home. We're going to look at what does it mean to plan for the unexpected and looking at the story of Spider-Man going on vacation but not really getting a vacation, right? We're going to have fun with that movie. Throughout it all, I would invite you to take a look at these movies it, with your family or with your spouse or whoever 
you may be, take a look at these movies before you come in because they'll give you some insights on what we're going to talk about. And I will preface this for parents in the room. Some of these movies are PG-13 and have some thematic elements, so just be aware of that, in particular with the next two. But we're going to talk and have a blast watching them out, okay? Today, today is Wonder. Wonder is a movie, a story that is based on a best-selling novel by R.J. Palencio. And she wrote this novel based on an experience she had with her own kids at an ice cream store. And she was so moved by the experience and by her reaction to it, she decided to write a novel. A novel about a young boy who is going into fifth grade and he has craniofacial differences because of 27 surgeries that he had to have to save his life. And what we're going to look at is the story of August Pullman and his family and what it was like to enter into fifth grade and into school for the first time. We always take a look at the trailer, so you're not going to miss out. So take a look at this video, and we'll get started. My name is Augie Pullman. Next week, I start fifth grade. And since I've never been to real school before, I'm pretty much totally petrified. I'll see you later. Okay. You don't want to walk up with your parents because it's not cool. But you're cool. I know I am, but technically most dads aren't. Neither are these helmets. Dear God, please make them be nice to him. I know I'm not an ordinary 10-year-old kid. I've had 27 surgeries. They've helped me to breathe, to see, to hear without a hearing aid, but none of them have made me look ordinary. The incubator, bunch of murders. Oh, and this is an eraser. You know what an eraser is, right? Look at his face. I've never seen anything that ugly in my life. If I looked like him, I'd swear. I'd put a hood over my face. I know you don't always like it, but I love it. It's my son's face. You are not ugly, Augie. I just have to say that because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most. Because I know you the most. Hi. You don't have to do this. I don't know what you're talking about, Augie. You don't have to pretend is all I'm saying. Augie! Okay, I'm really sorry. Why are you sitting here then? Because I want some nice friends for a change. Me too. Who is it that I aspire to be? That is the question that we should be asking ourselves all the time. Hey, Jack, come sit here. In a sec. I'd like to be able to control the weather. That would be your superpower? That sounds pretty lame. What would you do? I'd be invisible. You're the toughest kid in that school. Show them. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. You ever thought about having plastic surgery? Dude, this is after plastic surgery. It takes a lot of work to look this good. It is a very sweet, kind, sad at moments, emotional at moments movie. How many of you watched the movie or read the book before? Okay, a few of us. Good. So you'll have a kind of a taste of what is to come. My, my invitation is after today, some point this week, go home, watch the movie, read the book. It's a fantastic story. And what I love about this story is inside of it, we meet a young boy named Augie Pullman, or August is his real name, his long name. And so what we see is he enters into fifth grade for the first time. And what happens there is there's a lot of challenges to be met. There's a lot of situations that play out. 
There's a lot of circumstances that he's faced with that he had never been faced with before. And what we find inside of this movie are a lot of different themes that we could have ran with. Friendship, trials and tribulations, successes, what it means to be a real friend, things of that nature. But ultimately what we're going to look at is a short statement that was shared inside of this movie by Augie's teacher. And I have you write this down. The short statement is this, choose kind. Choose kind. Augie's teacher, every month, sets them up with a precept, he called it, or a a quote or something to think about that's true and that should be run into. And the precept for the first month of school was this. When given the choice between being right or being kind, choose kind. I think it's a fascinating statement. It's a fascinating quote. It's a fascinating idea. But what does it really mean to choose kind? What does it really mean to lean into that? And if you got a sense from the trailer, Augie's experience wasn't great, to say the least, or at least at first. And so this quote, that statement of choose kind, wasn't something Augie was experiencing on a daily basis. What we see is this, as the movie kind of unfolds, we learn that Augie has been through a number of surgeries and it has required different things for him to be able to live. And in place of that, his face has been worked on so much it looked different. And his parents felt like it was time for him to enter into school and to meet some friends his age and to live what a normal fifth grade boy's life should be even though he's experienced so much. And so as the movie opens, that's where it opens, is them ushering him into fifth grade and the experiences to follow. And what I love about this movie is we don't just get Augie's perspective, but we get the perspective of the entire family. Some pretty star actors in this movie. We see capturing the perspective of Augie's parents, Nate and Isabel, and his sister, Via, And ultimately, when we see this start to play out, Augie enters into the first day of school, and it goes terrible. His family is around him. They're all waiting by the school entrance, hoping and longing for something to play out that he would come home and say the day was good. And what we find out is the first day ended horribly. And we'll come back to that scene in a minute. But the first day became every day for Augie. Every day was a day where kids would distance themselves, where kids would make comments, where kids would poke fun, where kids would make sure that they weren't near him because what if, and he looks different, and what if my status, or what if just me as a person, what if I start to get looked at like he does? Every day became the first day of school for Augie until there's a young man, a young fifth grade boy in his class named Jack that befriends him. What's interesting about Jack is he sees behind what's going on, behind the differences, and he starts to befriend Augie, and they have this friendship, and Augie has him over, and they're doing schoolwork together, they're playing together, all of that fun stuff, until one day, Augie's in class and hears Jack talk behind his back. And when he hears Jack talk behind his back, he says something to the effect of, if I had Augie's face, I'd wear a mask, or I wouldn't show up to school. And Augie is devastated. 
Augie's devastated because he thought, this, this, this guy, he's going to be my friend. I have someone. All of a sudden, school is bearable. It's maybe even fun, and I'm starting to enjoy life as a fifth-grade boy. What's interesting is, as that scene plays out and he goes home, Augie's sister, Via, decides to console and have a conversation with Augie trying her hardest to come around him in this moment. And what we're going to learn based off of this next scene is that you and I maybe, just maybe, can relate to Augie more than we think. Take a look at this scene, and then we'll catch up to it. Nate, do you know where his helmet is? He's asking for it, and I've looked everywhere. I don't know. Something at school he won't say, he won't come out of his room, and now he says he doesn't even want to go trick-or-treating. I know. Okay. Thank you. Just get here. Come on, get ready. It's almost time for the Halloween parade. You're supposed to knock. Mom says you won't say what happened. Did someone say something? Someone always says something! Well, tell me what happened. It's none of your business! You took my day with Mom, so it is my business. I heard Jack Wolf talking about me behind my back. He said he'd kill himself if he looked like me. Jack Will? Isn't he the nice one? There are no nice ones! I wish I'd never gone to school in the first place. But you were liking school. I know you were. I hate it, okay? I hate it! Augie, I'm sorry, but you're not the only one who has bad days. Bad days? Do people avoid touching you? When a person accidentally touches you, do they call it the plague? No. Jack Wool is all I had. Just don't! Compare your bad days at school to mine, okay? Okay. Hey. Did you notice that Miranda doesn't come around anymore? What? You didn't. Shocker. Yeah, she went away to camp this summer, and now she doesn't like me anymore. Why? Because school sucks. And people change. So if you want to be a normal kid, Augie, then those are the rules. So let's go trick-or-treating, okay? Because right now, we're each other's best friends. So come on. I'll let you have all my Halloween candy. That's awesome, right? Having a sister come alongside of Augie and inviting him in in a really hard moment. But what I love that Via does is she makes it personal to her. You see what she does? She doesn't just console him. She doesn't just come around him, but she says, I can understand at this level. I have scars too, I have hurts too, I have pains too, I have things that are going on in my life that no one else knows about that hurt deep down inside. 
What I think she does is she makes what Augie's walking through relatable to us all in some way, shape, or form because all of us carry around scars. All of us carry around hurts. All of us carry around pains. All of us carry around relational baggage. All of us carry around something, whether externally or internally, that we don't want anybody to really poke at or prod at or even to know about because it's too hard to talk about. And Augie was experiencing that, but what he didn't know is his sister was too. If you notice in that scene, she had lost her best friend. Over the summer, things took place, and when she came back from camp, she no longer had a friend. What I think is interesting in this is we all have scars we do not want people to see or know about, and in our or others' sin around us, brokenness or lostness, we will feel like Augie at times, alone, desperate, frustrated, or worthless. And here's the reality today. You might be carrying around that baggage. You feel isolated. You feel alone. You feel hurt. You feel pain. Maybe there's things in your life that you are just holding inside because you don't want anybody to know because it might distance people from you. Or maybe that thing has come out and you're worried. And today, maybe for some of us, we feel like Augie at some level. Maybe we're not navigating the same differences that he's navigating, but you feel like junk. In a later scene, we'll, we'll see him say that he feels ugly. No one loves him, that no one can be around him, and maybe that is your story. Whatever past experiences, whatever present experiences, whatever has made, maybe it happened externally or internally, you feel like you can't walk into certain circles because you're not sure what's going to be said about you. You're not sure who's going to distance themselves from you. You're not sure what's going to happen if you're caught around that group because that thing happened back there. And what's interesting is this. I love what Via said. She said, people change. She said school is brutal, right? Or the context you might be in is brutal. And maybe that's a part of your story. It is a part of your story where you have felt people change. And you're like, what happens? I'm not so sure. What took place? Why me? Or maybe the context you're in is just brutal. Family you're around, the friends you're around. Maybe it's school for some of us. We had experiences there. Maybe it's workplace. Maybe it's family. But here's the reality. You might be relating to Augie and walking around with shame and guilt and fear and loneliness and unsure of what is to happen. But there's another side. Today, maybe you are here and you are like one of the classmates that Augie had and you've been unkind and you have hurt and you have betrayed and you have stabbed in the back. Hurt people hurt people. And here's the reality. Whether you're on this side of the fence or this side of the fence, it really doesn't make a difference because we all have scars. And whether you isolate yourself back here and you're sitting alone and you're not sure where to go, you're not sure what to do, you're not sure if anybody would want to be around you, you've been told that before, you feel like it's not worth it. There are no nice people in this world. Or because of what's been done to you, 
you have decided to protect yourself by going after others, you're hurt. Maybe you feel that. Maybe you're wrestling with that. And today we're going to walk through, through the lens of wonder, who our God is and what he's done for us and how that changes the landscape. Because no matter who you are and which side of the fence you sit on, what character you can resonate with the most inside of this movie, you're welcome here. And what you'll find is this, is that we all can relate to each other way more than we think. That we all have scars that scare us to death if other people found out. And yet what God wants to do is run into us in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the scars, in the midst of the uncomfortability, in the midst of the shame, in the midst of the guilt, and save us. And that's what we end up seeing in the midst of this movie. Because what happens is this. What I love about this movie, like I said, is the perspective it gives of different characters. And in the movie, it gives a really neat perspective from the parent's lens. And as I rewatched scenes, I started to look at it that way as a parent. The first time I watched this, I think it was pre-Corbin or he was still young. Right now I have kids that are going to preschool and I started to watch this movie from the perspective of the parents. And the parents, I think, in this movie were phenomenally casted, of course, but phenomenally portrayed. That the parents did something inside of Augie's life that I think we all yearn and long for, whether you are on this side of the fence or that, whether you've been hurt or you are hurting, that inside of this movie, we see a scene pop up that just leaves me speechless. Augie, like I said, comes home from the first day of school. He's defeated. It was terrible. It was about as bad as bad can get. And he comes home and he's sitting around the dinner table and his parents are just hoping that he says he had a good day. Just give us something, right? They ask Augie how his day was, and he says, good. And his mom asked the infamous question, was it good, good, or was that a bad good? Like you said, good, just to cover up what actually happens. And Augie gets frustrated, leaves the table, and his parents, in particular his mom, knows that this is an instrumental part that she gets to play inside of this journey that Augie's in. Take a look at what happens next as she talks to him. That is not the way we leave the table. Hey, come on. Talk to me. Sit down. Take that off, please. Ugly, Augie. You just have to say that because you're my mom. Oh, because I'm your mom, it doesn't count? Yeah. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most. Because I know you the most. They won't even talk to me. It matters what I look different. I try to pretend that it doesn't, but it does. I know. Is it always going to matter? Listen, 
have marks on our face. I have this wrinkle here from your first surgery, and I have these wrinkles here from your last surgery. This is the map that shows us where we're going. And this is the map that shows us where we've been. And it's never. It's a really powerful scene. When I first watched the movie, I cried a little bit, I'll be honest, but I landed on a distinct part in that scene. It caught me because it sounded different. It sounded not just like a pat on the back and keep going, buddy, because here's what the reality is. Augie, going to school that first day, believed everything that those kids said about him, told him and he experienced. He believed the lies, and what it did is he believed it so much so that he believed he was ugly. He believed school and friends aren't worthwhile, and even I can imagine, we didn't go here in the scene, that he maybe at some level didn't trust his parents' decision to send him to school. That inside of all of this, the experience he had because of what they told him, that's what he latched onto and believed. And here's what I think. As we walk through this life, it is really easy to believe what the world and others and even deep down ourselves tell ourselves about the scars that we have. And we carry around these scars and we tend to believe what others say about it, what maybe the world says about it, or even what I say about it just to try to get through and I live with guilt and shame and fear. Augie was living with all of them. I shouldn't go back. I can't run back into that. It's not worth it. And Augie's experience created that belief in him. And yet what I love is his mom steps in. And do you see what she says? She doesn't just sit there at the bedside and say, Augie, it's going to be okay. Pat you on the back. Let's just go back down to dinner. She says, you are not ugly. Do you hear his response? You're supposed to say that. Doesn't count. Listen, this is what got me. She said, because I'm your mom, it counts the most. Because I know you the most. And God is sitting at your bedside and he wants you to hear that. Because some of you have carried your scars and your baggage around you went to the first day of school, per se, and you came back and you're like, never again. I'm not going to do it. That church experience was terrible. That friendship experience was terrible. That family relationship was terrible. I got hurts and pains. It's not worth it. I am ugly. That's not where I want to go. I don't trust sitting there too. And you might have talked to God before and said, I'm done. I'm worthless. I don't got purpose. I don't got meaning. I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm not sure I want to be here. I'm not sure what to do with this. And God wants your eyes on him because he's going to say this, because I'm God, what I think matters the most because I know you the most, I love you the most, and I proved it by coming and saving you. 
Here's the reality. Some of us live life and we just believe what horizontally is happening and we never check in with our Father who every night per se in an illustrative form sits at our bedside and wants us to know he loves and cares and knows us and he came to save us out of the mess, out of the sin, out of the scars, out of the junk. And he says, I created you and I want you to be my child. Because here's the power behind that little phrase that his mom, Augie's mom said that resonates with us is there's a God who cares about you and for you way more than you and I tend to believe. And Augie didn't need his mom to say, it's going to be okay, let's just go eat dinner and go back the next day. He needed someone in his life that he looks up to, that he leans into, that is a part of his life in a distinct way to tell him what the truth is. And that will fuel where to go because God wants you to know a couple things. First is, he knows you. God knows you. He knows you and we see that throughout scripture. His kindness towards us starts with the reality that he knows us and cares for us and that he broke through our pain and our mess and our sin to come after us, but he knows you. Psalm 139, David writes this, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Listen, let that sink in for a minute. The God of the universe knows you personally, relationally, intimately, because he created you. He didn't push, push you out of a factory. He intimately, personally, put a special touch on you, made you in his image and likeness. All of us are known by the God of the universe in a very special way. For some of us, that's where it starts. Because we just don't believe anybody knows us or anybody would want to talk to us or anybody would like what we have to offer. And the God of the universe says, I created you in my image and likeness and I created you to have relationship with me and I created you so that you could share with the world who I am through what I've given you the ability to do. I know you and I do care for you. Secondly, God loves you, right? It's one thing to know someone, and then it's another thing to allow that knowledge to move you to action. God knows us, and he deeply loves us. In John, we see one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And created you, and fashioned you, and made you in his likeness and image, and gave you gifts and abilities to live this life with, also loves you so much that he would come after you and meet your greatest need. Because the reality is this, you and I, inside of our sin, are separated from him. Our sin relationally puts us on this side of the line from him. 
We're choosing to believe our own ways and believe our own selves and believe what my heart wants to believe instead of trusting him. And he came after us in that. He loves you. So much he sent his only son for you so that you could become a son or daughter. Listen, it doesn't say I sent my only son so that you could come work in my shop so that you could come hang out in my city and maybe kind of collect some benefits from that, we become royalty inside of his family. And he's sitting at the bedside, and if you've said yes to Jesus, you are a child of God. If you put your trust in Jesus, you're a child of God. And he's sitting at your bedside, and he's saying, listen, my kindness overflowed in Jesus being sent for you and taking your place what you deserved, he took instead. Ephesians 2 elaborates on this more. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. God's kindness comes after us, even when we were separated from him, dead in our transgressions, choosing our sinful lifestyle. It is by grace you have been saved. We can do nothing for it. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. His kindness overflows in his love and grace for us that he would make a way where there was no way. In our sin, we cannot climb a ladder to God. We need someone else, a mediator, a savior to save us. And he did not just send some random Joe, he sent his son. And ultimately, the grace that you and I experience is a display of kindness to the rest of the world. That the grace that you and I latch onto inside of our life is supposed to flow into the world and demonstrate the kindness of our God through Jesus Christ. That's what you and I get to experience. He knows you, he loves you, and inside of his kindness, he invites us. Because here's the reality before I get to the next passage. Oftentimes, after a quote-unquote day, I'll sit on my bedside and how the day played out and what was said to me and what interactions I had and the ways I messed up dictate what I believe about God, myself, and the world around me. And I will often sit on my bedside and think, why didn't I just try harder? Or why can't I do it? Or why am I blank, blank, blank? And why am I this? Some of you are sitting there. And some of you are sitting there and God's like, listen to me. I know you, I love you, and I saved you through Jesus. And he invites us to respond to that. And in Romans 2, Paul tells us what that response should be. Romans 2, verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the rich? God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Listen, he's sitting there. And he is telling you, I am God. It matters more than what others say. matters more than what you say because I know you and I loved you and I saved you. Are you going to believe me or not? 
Are you going to believe me or not and live inside of that or live inside of what everybody else has given you, what yourself is giving you? That was Augie's mom's challenge. She's like, heck no. I don't just have to say it because I'm your mom. I get to say it. I get to say it because I know you. And God is inviting us into a relationship and he wants you to run into him. This word repentance, oftentimes I think we think of hellfire and brimstone, repent, or else. Repentance literally means a change of mind that changes your actions. And his kindness towards us through his grace and love, we can often just kind of dismiss and live life in and of ourselves. But what Paul is saying is, do not allow the kindness that he showed us through Jesus to just let you just go on living and do whatever you want to do, but rather let it change your mind about who he is, what he's done for you, and ultimately who you are in light of that. And start living out of that reality. Instead of fear and anxiety and worry and guilt and shame, when I start to see God as the kind, loving creator who ultimately is all-powerful and all-control, and he sent his son to die for us so that when you and I say yes to Jesus, we become children of God, I start to live out of love and kindness and grace and mercy and patience. The fruit of the Spirit starts to play out. Here's the reality. His kindness should change our minds about him, ourselves, and others. And in turn, it changes our actions. And he's inviting you into that. Do you know you're chosen? Do you know he looks down upon you and desires a relationship with you and yearns for you? That he wants nothing more than his kindness through Jesus to change your minds about him, what he's done for you, and who we are and how we can live in this life. Some of us, that's where it starts. Some of us today is opening our eyes and sitting there with God on our bedside and believing what he actually is saying is true. Believing that he actually does know us and someone cares for us, and someone longs to be in relationship with us, and he didn't make a mistake. Us of us, we just long to be loved for someone to stand in the gap for us. And the God of the universe stood in the largest gap, not by sending someone else, but by sending himself in the form of Jesus. He loves you. He's sitting on your bedside saying, trust me. Why, God? You're supposed to say that. That's what the Bible verse says. That's what this says. I learned that in Power Kids. I learned that in student ministry. I get that, right? My parents told me God loves me, and he wants you to just sit with him and listen and trust. It's not just some fad. And all of a sudden, when you take that step and trust And allow your mind to believe the God of the universe and that he has come to save you through Jesus, rescuing you on the cross and through his resurrection. And you say yes to Jesus. Every day after, he is going to continue to remind you of that because we need that. But we're not a slave to sin. We're a child of God in Jesus. 
We're not what we used to be. We are servants of Jesus now. We're not alone. We are in a community. We're not homeless. We have an eternal home. We're not familyless. We have a family in Jesus. And that can be really hard when eight to five, whatever the day looks like for you, doesn't provide that. He's sitting at your bedside. And so my invitation is this. This week, listen and trust him. And I, I wish I could say, here's the program. Here's the steps. Here's exactly how to do it. And you'll have this divine awakening and all of a sudden everything will make sense. I've tried it. It doesn't work that way. It is literally just sitting there, listening and trusting, finding moments where you can listen through the gospel and replaying the gospel truth, the good news of Jesus in your mind, reading scripture, his word to you. Psalm 139 is a great one to start with. Psalm 23 is a great one to start with. John 3, Ephesians 2, Titus 3, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 13. Start somewhere and then start talking and listening to God. God, if he is the most important relationship that you and I are supposed to have, we need to give him time in our day for it. I think some of us, we follow Jesus and we've said yes to Jesus and we come to church and we go through our week and we come back to church and we're like, I feel like crap. I'm believing the lies, I'm believing the people, I'm believing social media, I'm believing what my family says and I'm living it out of that. What would it look like if you started listening and trusting to God and allowing him to dictate what you believe and how you live in the face of whatever may be happening? Easier said than done, I understand. Find a moment. If it starts with a minute, if it starts with five minutes, ten minutes, find a moment when you first wake up, just pop up in your bed and just ask God to speak to you in that way. But it doesn't end there because Choosing kindness was initiated by God through Jesus Christ, and he invites us to also choose kind. It's really easy to live in this world and look at things happening and say, that doesn't happen often, or that doesn't take place, or even inside of us. How do I muster that up? Because here's the reality. What Jesus shows us, what God ultimately invites us into, is when I say yes to Jesus, I change change. Choosing kind is not some moral duty that we have to play out. Choosing kind is not some moral action that we're supposed to play out. Choosing kind is not something to get the sticker and say, look what I did. Choosing kind begins by realizing we are chosen by his kindness. If you're ever going to actually live out kindness, you first have to understand he was unrelenting in his kindness toward us. And it, he pursued us. And if we're ever going to pursue people in kindness, we first have to plant our feet in the reality that he chose us and was kind to us when we didn't deserve it. Because oftentimes kindness, we anticipate a response. And what if the response doesn't come? This passage in Colossians 3. Paul, oh, sorry. You'll stay home from the nature. Can we go back? 
for a second. There it is, right? Colossians 3. We'll get to another scene, I trust me. This is what Paul says to the church in Colossae. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Choosing kind is first understanding that we have been chosen We are God's chosen people. If you've said yes to Jesus, you have been graced and loved and mercied. And all of a sudden, if you believe what God has said about you in Jesus, you shouldn't have to worry about yourself. We should just live into that. He says, as God's chosen people, as those who are in Christ, as those that believe who God is, what he's done, and believe who we are now, we choose kindness, we choose grace, we choose gentleness, compassion, patience, we forgive, and we ultimately love. Because choosing kind first starts with being chosen, but it also requires us to change the way we see. We start to see as Jesus saw us. I love this last scene we're going to look at. The principal pulls in one of the boys, Julian, who has been making fun of Augie and led the way of that for the other classmates. He's written uh, just awful things about Augie, and it got around, and the principal found out. And I love what the principal says to this young man because he gives him some instruction on how to befriend Augie and quite possibly change the way he sees. So take a look at this short clip, and we'll continue and end there. You'll stay home from the nature preserve trip. That's all. Two days for a couple of notes from a kid. After all the money that we have poured into the school. We have a lot of friends in the school board, Mrs. Tushman. Oh. Well, I have more. So what would you have us do? Bend over backwards for every single person in the world? Nobody can get their feelings hurt, ever? (laughs) You are not doing these kids any favors. Mrs. Altman's. Oh, he can't change the way he looks. So, maybe we can change the way we see. I think that was a powerful line by that principle. Because here's the reality. When you realize you've been seen, it changes the way you see. When you realize that kindness has come upon you in an undeserved fashion you start to lavish kindness onto others in an undeserved fashion. And it becomes less about the response towards you and do people see me and am I doing the right thing and more about this has been lavished onto me and I want others to see that. I can see different when I realize I've been seen. My dad used to say this, I'd rather be kind than cool any day. I'd rather be kind than cool any day. He used to tell us us that all this elementary, middle school, high school, he would tell us that endlessly. What he was getting at is this. When I forget that I've been seen, I try to be cool so that others see me. And in lieu of being cool, I'll often bypass kindness. When ultimately you and I realize we see others differently, and it's less about an opportunity of how will they see me and more how can I see them. How can I lavish kindness onto those around me? Because Jesus would say this through Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, This is what he says, love is patient, love is kind. Love 
It's not selfish. Love is not about me. Love is not about what I get and what I want. Love is kind. It is not something I muster up, but rather it's something I've experienced. And as the worship team comes up and we close here, the question I would ask is this. Do you choose kind? Do you choose kind? Now, I see a wonderful mixture of generations in this room, all with different experiences and different contexts here in this moment. My invitation is, if you're a middle school or high school student, to ask that question to yourself. I love that this movie centered around a fifth grade classroom. We've all been through fifth grade and middle school. It is a brutal time. If you're a middle school or high school student in here, first you need to know this. We love that you're in here with us. We do. We do series like this to engage your mind and engage the wonder of movies and God's story. And we hope you enjoy it and get to eat popcorn at 1030. I don't know if you're allowed to do that at home, but we do it here. My invitation is this. What would it look like for you to choose kind when you go back to school? Or when you go back into your communities? Or you go back to your co-op or wherever you may be? Listen, I wish I took more advantage of those years. Those can be some of the most brutal times for students I see adults shaking their head you ask your parent even if they were the cool kid it probably wasn't fun all the time what would it look like for you to enter school and not think about do I have the right backpack do I have the right material do I have the right shoes do I have the right clothes am I cool enough but rather am I living out of the kindness that God has shown me What would it look like for you to sit with the kid that no one else will sit with? What would it look like for you to help the kid that no one else wants to help? What would it look like for you to not laugh at the jokes that the other ones are laughing at because they're pointing out something in someone else? What would it look like for you to choose kinds? You're like, Joel, but that would hurt or it would come at a cost. I know. I wish I would have chose it more. But ultimately, Jesus went to the greatest lengths to show us kindness. Maybe you are in here and you are on the other end of that as a middle school or high school student. You're like, no one's kind to me. What do I do about that, Joel? What do I do if no one wants to be nice to me? Doesn't waver the answer. You choose kind. Because in your resilience, they might get a chance to see Jesus. Right, Romans 12, Paul talks about heaping burning coals, in quotes, by being kind and patient and peaceful. What if you went into school and said, I want to choose kinds? If you're an adult in the room, it applies to us just as much as it applies to kids, students. Maybe it's that coworker, maybe it's that neighbor, maybe it's that relative, maybe it's that family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's that person that you wished you didn't have to run into. 
What would it look like for you to choose kinds? What would it look like for love to play out, not because you have to muster it up and I call myself a Christian, so I got to do it, but because the kindness of Jesus so has infused your heart. You can't go a moment without allowing that to play out in other people's lives. I love the last line of the movie. It says this. Augie gets a standing ovation. He wins an award at the end of the year. And in his mind, he remembers what his teacher says. Another one of these precepts. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Listen, you have no idea what you might run into and who you might run into. Every one of us is fighting our own unique hard battle. What would it look like to be Jesus in the midst of that battle for someone? Not because we had to, because we wear Grace Church t-shirts, but because we want to, because Jesus was so kind to us in the midst of our battle and saved us. Who can you choose kind? Who can you choose to be kind to this week to show them Jesus? Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. And as we sing this last song, Father, would you remind us of your grace and your mercy. Spirit, hover this room. Would you remind us that we're your children, that we are your loved ones, that we are your chosen, that we are longed for. And Father, if someone is in here, would you, that maybe doesn't know you yet or doesn't, hasn't said yes to you yet, would you just penetrate into their life here and encourage them with your words? We thank you. Thank you for choosing kinds towards us.